Welcome everybody to the Game Off Podcast. This week we got some exciting news about the podcast itself. We also have our reactions to the Game Awards. And then finally we got our Showcase of the Week with Sayonara Wild Hearts and Life is Strange 3, 2, shite. <laughs> I'm your co-host Brent, aka Arcadia, along with... Solid Talker, me, Andrew, the other way around, Andrew, aka Solid Talker, whichever order you want. Uh, they're all good. All right. Yeah. And this is this is game off number 22. Happy 2020 everyone. By the time this is out, it'll be 2020. Yeah. It's actually it's actually the day before New Year's for us recording right now. So, we got plans to continue doing 2019 games for a little bit cuz we missed quite a few good ones. So, we're going to go into January and we're going to keep recording playing 2019 games. So, if you're confused as to why we're releasing new episodes with slightly older games that's why and then we'll do our tournament of champions probably in like february would you say yeah i mean there's like two games left that are good (laughs) but um and i didn't play either of them but we're gonna talk about games anyways and i think february is probably the safe bet february is when it would come out yeah yeah it's it's since we started the podcast late last year and also there's not really any games slated for early 2020 that are March is going to be a bear, though. Yeah, ex- yeah, we need to get done with 2019 well before March. <laughs> yeah. Let it be known. So, yeah, so that's what to expect on the podcast front. Let's move straight into the reactions for the Game Awards. That aired uh, about a week, a week or so ago. Uh, we both watched it and live-tweeted it. Yeah. I enjoyed that experience. Yeah, that was, that was a good time. Um, there's a lot... It's like, it's like with E3. There's always a lot of snark to be had on Twitter with it, and it's a lot of fun just as a reminder of what games are in the, yeah. <laughs> in the world <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i found myself uh thinking up really snarky things to say and then like adding the developers and then being like oh these these are real people i gotta yeah i gotta keep that shit in mind <laughs> thankfully jeff Keeley is a robot from space so i didn't feel bad <laughs> with anything that that may have been related to him or his decisions yeah, I feel like he doesn't read the internet whatsoever, which is fine. No, I, and I get that feeling from the way the game's awards were presented, and that he he didn't really he didn't ever go back and see what people thought of it. <laughs> he he is a consummate professional, though. I will I will grant him that. Absolutely, <laughs> He's unwavering, like the tides. And this year's game awards felt very much more much more like an actual awards show, in that there was a lot of pomp and a lot of musical performances for no reason and just yeah. a lot of stuff that wasn't actually about games yeah like, it was about games but it was about like games that don't exist yet and not <laughs> like the games that we're here to talk about yeah it, it it did feel like some weird hybrid between like uh like e3 programming and like the oscars i i yeah, that's actually that's a good way to put it. There was there was a lot of like weird repetitive um, commercials for some reason. Like you'd see the same commercial several times, even though you were watching the same program. It's like sort of like watching the Super Bowl. And it's it's also just very weird because they they kind of fast forwarded through a lot of the awards. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this and this and this. This guy won this thing. This guy won. No one's listening to this. Let's get to the next trailer. Yeah, I still really don't feel. I don't know how I feel about them having this many awards if they're just going to be footnotes during the show. Because 
then there's like no point to there being a show other than to have game trailers for games that aren't out and you know musical performances that no one cares about no green day is still totally relevant because they got that green day add-on for band hero whatever it was they were advertising (laughs) i think it was beat saber but i had to walk away because the performance was so bad no i'm pretty sure it was band hero band hero Uh, band hero three i'm pretty sure that's green day inning yeah it's just green day playing it now (laughs) it's just it's just a video of them playing band hero but only their three songs Oh, that is 59.99. That is some serious shade at Green Day right there. I, I can't name more than three of their songs, but I'm sure people out there are going to claim they had more. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they just had Welcome to Paradise and Wake Me Up When September Ends. I'm pretty sure that's it. Well, you know what? It's funny because now between the two of us, we know four songs because neither of oh. those were the two songs I was, I was thinking. Oh, my God. So Maybe they were right, Andy. <laughs> Maybe they do deserve their own Guitar Hero X-Pack. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, awards, you know. You know, I, um, I looked at our list, and we didn't do well in predictions. No? No. Who, who did better? Not, um, not that who, I'm counting. No, I, I actually I didn't do that much in figuring out who did better. That would have been exciting. How, um, how convenient. Yeah, uh, well, it, so the first one, Game of the Year, you thought Control, and I thought Sekiro, and it was Sekiro. Oh, damn it. Yeah, so Th- thoughts on that? Any any final thoughts on Sekiro being the winner? I I was happy with that award. I I don't I personally don't think that it was, but that's fine. I don't. I the game. It's not Brent's Game Awards. It's the Game Awards yet. Um, it's not Brent's Game Awards yet. <laughs> yeah, just you fucking wait, fucking. Um, yeah, no. It, it, Sekiro is a just stellar game like it it overperformed in every category that i thought it would flop on its face like i am sure i talked about it ad nauseum in the episode Mm -hmm. but i was constantly shocked by how uh, unique and innovative the game was more than anything and i it didn't feel like a dark souls game 90 percent of the time obviously it had like the same engine some of the same bones some of the same spirit, but honestly, when you were playing it, you were playing Sekiro, and I wouldn't dare even utter it in the same breath as Dark Souls, other than to note that it was made by the same people as Dark Souls, and clearly they're geniuses, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I picked that one, so I don't need to give any follow-up, because clearly I already understood what was going on there, so it's fine. So smart, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Best Game Direction went to Death Stranding, which we both predicted, and I think we both predicted it fairly cynically. Yeah, yeah, because of course, because he's the only Kojima is the only person that anyone knows who produced any of these games. Right. So it's, I mean, his is the other one whose name is in it's Kojima Productions. Yeah. No yeah. one knows the names of people at Remedy or I guess FromSoft maybe, but Mobius Digital, nah. Yeah. Yeah. No. Good luck. Uh, yeah, that was the thing too, because he also got that stupid like Twitter Guinness Award for having the most followers by a game director what sort of nonsense award is that a and also of course of course he would like have a ceremony to do that yeah he's like one of the few auteur game directors we have out there that aren't auteurs that people hate like (laughs) i i wouldn't think that peter molyneux or uh david cage have huge twitter followings (laughs) like man 
they're out there, but no one's looking at them like, man, I want to know what Suda51 is saying next. Like, I, he can not say anything for a while. It's fine. Yeah, we'll check in with him in June. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if they did, like, Comedy Central roasts for game directors, but it was, like, Peter Molyneux? I don't think he Just... could handle it. I don't <laughs> think... i for... crying in, like, five minutes. I, I've heard people talking... Um, uh, Laura Kate Dale did an interview with him, and she described his, like, wretched, pained... Uh, talking about games he'd released in the past, the way he talked to him and how he was definitely going to be different this time. You know, almost like you're <laughs> oh. listening to like someone recovering from an addiction. Like, uh, and I'm sure it's rough being Peter Molyneux, but at the same time, yeah. Best ongoing about. game. Best yeah. ongoing game was Fortnite. Neither of us predicted that. We we both said it was Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, a nonsense category. Like, some of these games are new games. Uh, how can best ongoing game be Fortnite if best multiplayer game wasn't Fortnite and best community support wasn't Fortnite was the best multiplayer game a non-ongoing game uh that's what I'm trying to scroll down to get no it was Apex Legends so it it lost in the genre that it was but it it wasn't even nominated wasn't even nominated for best multiplayer game I don't understand nor do I and it wasn't it was nominated for community support but Destiny 2 was nominated, well, won community support, but didn't win ongoing game. It wasn't even nominated for best multiplayer. <laughs> so, Bungie, Bungie does have, like, a good community. Like, Bungie.net has always been a thing. So I can kind of see that category going to them. But also, if you told me the name of that category, I would probably think of Bungie before anyone. Okay, that that's fair. But what about... What about best ongoing game being Fortnite, though? Like I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it cl- clearly they voted Apex as a better game, but it's not ongoing enough. <laughs> no, is that what we're saying in this category? They, they should have gone. They should have gone on more. February should have gone yeah. on more. Yeah. Why have you considered being an older game that has continued ongoing? Well, hopefully, they fix that in the future with going <laughs> on. Because <laughs> I'm sure as hell Destiny Two is not going to. <laughs> no, I. Do you see that they walked back what they said about how Destiny Two was going to be the platform for them for the ongoing or for the foreseeable future? Is and it then because they, now they're? Is it because no one's playing Destiny Two? <laughs> yeah, now they're like, oh yeah, Destiny Three is definitely happening, probably relatively soon. And everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? <God. laughs> you know what? We're like we're like a week away from Anthem Two announcements. <laughs> it's coming today. <laughs> day and date drop. It's it's based on the uh, Radical Heights engine. Oh my god! Was, was is that the one I'm thinking of? Radical Heights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fucking Cliffy B's <laughs> shoehorned fucking pre-alpha uh, battle, battle royale, royale game. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what it's. It's that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be that style of like, look, oh, we've got a game. We've got a game. It's Anthem Two. It's it is technically more than a tech demo, but not by much. <laughs> I, th- I think there's nothing more analogous of the internet than Radical Heights is just burst onto the scene and then just no one talked about it ever again. And then it just went away because it essentially got canceled. But yeah, it, it comes out and it was the most divisive game I think I'd ever seen like <laughs> that no one had heard about, but everyone was mad about it for some reason. And then inevitably everyone else is defending it. And then three days later, no one was talking about it. 
it's someday in the future when video game history studies is a class there's going to be like a week on the rise and fall of Bosky <laughs> because it's just it's a fascinating fascinating I, yeah thing to do do a post-mortem on and i hope yeah, someone does I'd a good in-depth that. video on that at some point because they were just oh <laughs> all right we keep getting off topic yeah, mostly uh, me. Uh, best best narrative went to disco elysium neither of us predicted that i said it would be death stranding and you said control what are your thoughts on that uh well i haven't played disco elysium uh i'm really happy that it went to an indie game but but also control came out this year so god yeah. damn it <laughs> And we and we know that control is basically your nod for everything. Yeah, it, ideally. Yep. <laughs> best best JRPG control. Yeah, I've I haven't played Disco Elysium <laughs> yet either, but it's uh it's supposed to be fantastic. It definitely sounds like the kind of game I want to win. So uh, I, I'm pleased with that. Yeah, me too. Art direction went to control, which neither of yeah. us predicted. Uh, I said Link's Awakening. You said Gris or Gree. Whichever one it is, I'm still not sure. I, th I think it's Greist. Oh, Greist? Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I was surprised to see it go to Control. Yeah, I, I was surprised, too, because, I mean, I loved the design and the direction of the game, but I I never would have thought people would sort of get on board with that because it didn't, like, it wasn't obviously apparent. Because, you know, like, a lot of people are... This is open to voting to a lot of people. So you have to assume that people see, like, the Gree cover, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's the art game this year. Right. Know, it, it didn't it didn't have a, an art direction that would be obviously unique and intriguing from the trailer and footage you may have seen in, in like, promotional stuff. Yeah. It, the in-game design is, is genius and beautiful, but, uh, like, the key art, I don't think, does it justice, so... I guess more people played it than uh, what everyone's been saying. Yeah. Um, the score music, uh, we both predicted Death Stranding, and it went to Death Stranding. But I have a bone to pick with this, and I, All right. I feel like the game the game board should be set, should set this up differently, because I don't think that score and soundtrack made up of things that already existed are the same thing. And I think in the same way that like for the Oscars, you've got best original screenplay and best adapted screenplay because those are yeah. two very clearly different things there's mm -hmm. a lot of skill that goes into assembling a soundtrack of 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 existing music you can think about like classic movie soundtracks that that were made up of existing music, something like empire records that had a great soundtrack of already existing music yeah yeah or or something someone like cats. Han, yeah or cats or han zimmer making it you know like so i feel like score slash music like there are two games in there that are music games with their own original soundtrack how, how can you say that De the music for death stranding was better suited to the game than two games whose music was written for the game <laughs> <laughs> and whose entire design is based around that said music it, it just it doesn't make sense to me I'm sure you'll go over this more later with Sayonara Wild Hearts, especially with that game, because like that's not even built on the bones of another game. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it shocks me, and I'm sure Death Stranding has a great soundtrack, and I, I can't comment as to whether or not it fits with the game and the theme. But like, you have two games in there, and I, I well, you have four games in there whose soundtracks were written for the game itself. Yeah, and two of which, the gameplay is also written around that soundtrack. 
Like the soundtrack is baked into the experience. You could not play the games without the music. I, I guess if it's best one to listen to with headphones on when you're working as a Spotify playlist, <laughs> maybe Death Stranding as, wins. It, that's completely fair. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it just it confuses me. I, I can't speak to because I haven't played Death Stranding, but it just seems like a very weird. Yeah. Well, so we have what six categories for esports, but we only have two for audio. Audio is not a big part of the game experience. Yeah, I, I often like to play all of my games with the sound off. I feel like it adds nothing to games. <laughs> no, I'm lying. <laughs> I could go go through the rest of my life never caring about esports again, but if there was no audio in games, I'd be pretty fucking upset. Yeah. I I agree with you completely that they there does need to be more nuance to these categories. Um Especially if we're just going to breeze through the categories anyway on the award <laughs> show. Like, why Why are we just like, all right, just two. Just two for audio. That's all they get. Uh, and speaking of two for audio, next one is audio design, which went to Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, in contrast with your thought for Gears 5 and mine for Resident Evil 2. Yeah. I. So, I, I since then, I've started playing Modern Warfare and definitely blows the walls out. I, I, if that's how we want to <laughs> refer to audio design, because they did do a good job. They really did. But it's because there's so much happening all the time. It's sort of like the, the Michael Bay effect. Like, well, yeah, if, if like there's just a thousand different effects going off constantly, like you're going to need a good audio designer. And <laughs> they probably do deserve an award because they've done a fantastic job. Did they do anything unique? Like in, I've only done probably five or six missions. No, no. I think control, honestly did a better job of the actual like mixing portion of the audio. Um, but I, I can still see, I, I can see it. Okay. What about best performance? Mads Mikkelsen won. Um, you thought Laura Bailey for gears five. I thought Ashley Birch for the outer worlds. I was disappointed oh. to see Mads Mikkelsen win. Not, I, I can't speak to his performance, but it just, <laughs> it's whenever I see, that wide of a gamut of type of person like and we talked about this before i feel like it's kind of cheating to throw a seasoned actor in there as like a seasoned actor playing a character that looks exactly like him and is mirroring his facial movements yeah it's it's just you have mads mickelson as the actor in your game yeah, and we did categorically eliminate three of these people because they were scanned in like that. So <laughs> it didn't leave many options. Very true. Um, so I, I was a little disappointing for me, but yeah, I'm not hugely surprised. I I also I don't I don't know if I harped on this at all before uh, when we were making the predictions, but I think this should also be two categories, just like every other award, because there were so many fantastic female actresses this year there were so many fantastic male actors this year um it's a shame to just say hey there were six good performances in video games because it's video games and there's not many that there's not that many great performances right it's like no like let's take our time give it its due again i'd rather see two performance categories than six esports categories yeah yeah that's very fair uh games for impact uh, Grice won, and we both predicted Grice would win. So, yeah. yay us. That made sense with the nominations. Yep. Uh, same for independent game, Disco Elysium won. We both predicted Disco Elysium would win. 
Yep. Makes mobile, sense the noms. Mobile game, we did not predict Call of Duty Mobile, but it won. Uh, I, I didn't play any of these games. Who cares about the stupid fucking category? <laughs> I would not, it, not so hot take. Yeah. These days, if I was taking this again, I'd give it to Sayonara Wild Hearts because I've actually played that now. Uh, yeah. pr- previously, I hadn't played any of those games. Uh, VR game, I think we both said Asgard's Wrath for based on really nothing. Well, Beat Saber came out last year. Or the year 2018. Um, <laughs> As did No Man's Sky several years ago. Yeah, so I don't know what the fuck this category was. It's just a general lie. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, most of the rest of these are, like, they they make perfect sense, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll speed through these. Your your DMC5 won Best Action Game. That seems pretty cool. Last. Yep. Sekiro won Sekiro. Sekiro won Best Action <laughs> action Adventure, which it should because it was the game of the year. So it, <laughs> yeah. it would have to. Uh, best RPG went to Disco Elysium, which neither of us predicted. We both thought it would be Outer Worlds. Uh, fighting game went to Smash Brothers Ultimate, which didn't come out this year. <laughs> Family game went to Luigi's Mansion 3, which is disappointing. It's a great game, but Yoshi's Crafted World, I don't know, just was a greater game. It's Feel Good by Good Feel. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Fire Emblem won for Best Strategy. We both predicted that. Uh, it's it really better. It's really period. one of the few ways that uh, Tecmo Koi is going to show up on, on an awards list is through the Fire Emblem <laughs> oh. series. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. They're, Dynasty Warriors will be there someday. <laughs> yeah. Musu's coming. Uh, I hope every year I, I, I get excited and every year I get sad. Uh, Crash Team Rage thing Nitro Fueled, which oh, this makes me mad. Stop the shit right yeah. now. You know, it's it only you know inserted microtransactions and loot box shit into their game after release so that they could avoid being uh you know being categorized like that and having their box art ruined by contains microtransactions. <laughs> I'm not making that as a as a factual statement. No. That's just a that's just a fun theory I read online somewhere. Oh, good. I'm not I, I... I'm not claiming it as fact. Okay, that's good. I, I followed zero of the coverage, so I was about to be like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, we talked about multiplayer going to Apex Legends, even though I voted for nine, Texas 99, you said uh, Borderlands 3. And Subway's Eat Fresh Indie Game of the Sandwich went to <laughs> Disco Elysium, which you called, even though I think it should have gone to Slay the Spire, which didn't come out this year. But who fucking cares? That's just like <laughs> a, a suggestion. <laughs> oh man, can we talk about Slay the Spire now? Yeah, let's talk about Slay the Spire. Oh my god, I have not stopped playing that game for fucking two weeks straight. <laughs> Slay the Spire is so fucking good. Oh fucking, oh my god, I wish it came out this year because I could literally write a thesis on it at this point. It, everything about it is so well crafted and balanced. Yeah, if if you guys like any sort of card games, not not even just roguelike card games um or like magic if you like like fast-paced deck building and also combat and also it just feels good (laughs) constantly feels like fucking cocaine in my veins (laughs) play slay the spire please for the love of christ slay the spire is one of the few card games i've played that actually does proper like rpg emergent storytelling like you get combos of artifacts and cards that feel like a good story you want to tell people. Yeah. Which never happens in 
I maybe it doesn't Hearthstone for Sados, but not for <laughs> not for elite major league gamers like you and me. It doesn't happen like that. Like I, I've I've wanted to tell my wife about things that happen in Slay the Spire, and she has no concept of any of it. She doesn't play yeah. most games. But I'm like, I want to describe to her how this game works so she can understand the situation I was in so I can tell her about this play that I made because it's that cool. <laughs> it's not. But yeah. I think it felt that cool. It is that cool. I think it's cool, Andy. Yeah. I think oh, you're it is. cool. Thank you. I, but especially if you're playing Slay the Spire. Man, I, I just got to say, the number of times I have just gone full in on Sneko Eye and just let that ride the rest of the game <laughs> and had People the most fun. online. Uh it's it's just like madness. It's just throwing any logic to the wind. Like, well, this is nonsense. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm confused all the time. God bless. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Shame they didn't win uh, Eat Fresh Indie Game from the Sandwich. But, you know. Yeah. Disco it also Elysium. didn't come out this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then community support we talked about. Uh, now, Michael Shroud last name won best content creator of the year how do you feel about that i don't know who that is mm, mm, mm. i think he's on on mixer now i think i heard news that he jumped ship because no one wants to be on twitch anymore now he you predicted david grefig martinez would win and i said salil 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 ewok ewok oh, she's the only female on the list yeah yeah i i i got that because Salalil. It was also the name of the girl from Punky Brewster, so I I was able to determine that she was likely the only female on the list from that. I don't know this this reference. Soleil Moonfry, I believe, was the name of the girl from Punky Brewster. Yeah. Okay. So it's fine. Uh, <laughs> no. I don't quite remember our logic, but we disqualified the entire category of best esports game. Was it because none of the games came out this year? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think it's just mad that they weren't all Dota. Because I knew Dota wasn't going to win, so everything else has to get eliminated. I, I think that's what it was. I think because none of those games came out this year, we DQ'd the entire category and just oh. refused to answer it. <laughs> but anyways, League of Legends won that one, so good for them. Yeah. It it won esport, uh, esport host, best event, best team, and then the individual player went to a Fortnite player called Gearsdorf, which is kind of a cool nice name. Yeah, that's a pretty cool name. Yeah, and then a, a coach that coaches Counter Strike, who wasn't part of the best esports team on League <laughs> of Legends, he actually was in Counter Strike. His name was Zonic. And I hope his career goes very well for him. But I don't care about it. Now, um, do you have anything else to say on these uh, eSport things? Too many categories. It's it's cool that they get recognized. No, it's not. Who cares? <laughs> it's, who, these individual people playing eSports. Why do they need... Uh, they, these are like creator awards. Like, these aren't, these aren't content creators. Like... I understand the content creator category more because that actually sort of, well, I don't know. By that logic, like, esports makes sense. But uh, there's still too many goddamn categories. It's just, that's going to be the way until esports gets recognized as the, at the ESPYs, and then it's going to, it'll go away. Yeah, it, and then we can all move on. Yeah, until the international 
you know, gets broadcast and, and clips from it are shown during ESPY's award season, no one's going to care. And they're going to keep oh, just dumping 500 eSport categories into the game awards because that's the only place they can go. Can you imagine all the harumphing there would be if there was eSports at the ESPYs? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can imagine 50, 60 people that I know over the age of 30 that would just be furious. Just, just <laughs> You're in there just jealous. irrationally. I can't believe it. I can't believe that these video games are showing up and people playing real sports. People have to get up out their chairs and move around. I mean, even yeah. in golf, they still have to walk the course. <laughs> well, rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. I I almost want it to happen just so I can experience one Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner where, where that's the topic of conversation. <laughs> and then you can politely remind them that these games make more money than those industries, <laughs> and these individual players probably make more money than those individual players. I just don't know why you'd sit and watch someone play a game. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Man, I've tried to watch golf, and let me tell you, I'd much rather watch a game I never understood or watched than a sport I've never watched or understood. You know, it's very, it's got a very uh, relaxing quality to it. I used to watch it at my grandmother's house uh, when everyone was hanging out there. Me and one of my uncles would just have golf on and I'd usually fall asleep because it's very relaxing. Mm. Not So it's not good for watching, but it is good for falling asleep too, like a white noise machine wow. or a, a familiar episode of Scrubs or something. I'll, I'll remember that when I go to bed tonight Yeah, just, on just... my bed of money from my esports winnings. <laughs> All right, you want to jump over to our fireside chat? Hey, Andy, how you doing? Oh, good. That's good. What are your thoughts on uh, The Simpsons and their 30th anniversary? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I know that it's it's very vogue to shit on The Simpsons post-season Whatever you want to put the cutoff as. 8, 12, 18. Whenever you stopped watching with your family, essentially. Mm. Whenever you, whenever everyone in your family stopped getting together on Sunday nights and watching it is when it stopped being funny. Whatever that cutoff point is. I think it's very impressive that they've been on for 30 years. And they've maintained any level of quality. Because I watched five seasons of Riverdale and that jumped the shark <laughs> ten minutes into the episode. So, like, <laughs> I will I will give The Simpsons full credit for that. And I think that people talking about The Simpsons and talking about how good it was in season five, as if a show should not have in any way changed, for better or for worse, over a 25-year period. It's just like, it's like sitting here and talking about The Tonight Show and comparing it to The Carson Years. Like it's not a useful conversation to have. It's a completely different show now. Yes, yeah. it has the same characters. It has a lot of the same voice actors, but the writing staff is all completely changed. The, the culture in which it needs to exist is completely changed. The The entire industry and, and structure around it has changed. So I am happy that The Simpsons continues to exist. I think it's neat that there are shows that I watched when I was five years old that there's a chance my son will watch when he's five years old. In the same way that I think it's neat that the Sesame Street has been on for so long that I have aunts yeah. and uncles that grew up watching Sesame Street and then I watch it at their house. Like that's that's a neat that's a cool idea to me. 
I haven't watched The Simpsons in you know a, a live on TV in ten years probably. I, I've occasionally caught an episode here or there, but I've I've not kept up with it. So I'm I do not begrudge them their success, but it's also it's it doesn't draw me in anymore. So good for them. Yeah. Congratulations. I hope uh, clearly someone out there is still enjoying it because it's still profitable enough to keep on. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Fox continues to run it, but um, I, ca- I can't speak to its actual quality anymore. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying. I'm honestly trying to think the last time I watched an episode. I, I must have been in my early teens when I was watching it frequently. Since then, I probably caught two or three episodes total in like 15 years which is crazy to think about i remember when they had like the their 300th episode and i i sort of pegged that as when the show sort of started like getting less good but even then <laughs> it's, it's not bad like it, the few episodes i've seen here and there like i get it's still got a couple chuckles yeah it's it's no worse than half of the shows that the wife and i will try a couple episodes of and, and bail on yeah, yeah, it's not hitting the highs of something like The Good Place or, or some other really new and exciting comedy, but I, I don't think anyone expects it to. It's it's like animated 60 minutes or something. Like, it's yeah. just, it's it's a comfort thing. It's there, it exists, you, yeah. can, you can watch it and be happy with it, but I don't think, I'm not expecting it to break any new ground. Right, yeah. It, it's already done enough of that, too. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. So good for them. They they need the reprieve. Yeah, if if they need me to, if they're gonna do one of those slideshows or you know those little clip shows of all the celebrities saying congratulations, The Simpsons on your thirtieth year, I'm happy to do one. So just <laughs> just get at me at Solid Talker on Twitter, and I will happily do a a, a good excited shout out to all, all the the hardworking people at The Simpsons. I'm unavailable. Sorry. <laughs> Scheduling conflicts are just a bear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you what do you think of uh, what do you think of pickles? Pickles, uh, <laughs> pickles. I don't know. They grossed me out when I was young because people that eat pickles are gross, but it's kind of delicious. Like pickled cucumbers specifically. Uh, I had pickled eggs for the first time in like two decades yesterday, and I was like, shit, these are pretty good too. Damn, I've never had a pickled egg. Oh, I used, I used to watch my uncle just fucking fist these things out of a jar, and I was like, I'll never eat one of those for the rest of my life, because I'm so disgusted. And then, you know, that changed. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's something about, like, the smell of vinegar on other food that's a bit, of, like, strange. But, I mean, objectively, del- like, vinegar is one of the best substances on the earth. I will argue that. <laughs> I, like... Anytime I get anything that even loosely can handle vinegar on it, I will just drown it in vinegar. So, needless to say, pickled stuff is usually pretty good in my book. Nice. How about you? Uh, you know, I never liked them as a kid, and I've I've grown to like them a bit now as a thing on sandwiches and burgers. I still don't eat them on mm. their own. Um. Uh, I, they're just not for me. I don't actively dislike them. I just never seek them out. I know that there are like a lot of bars and, and joints that have like you know their own homemade pickles, and the, you know that'll be something that people will tell you yeah. about when you get there. Well, the c- communal pickles—that's a little bit different. I don't think I'd 
like a hand going into a pickle jar several times that's uh, not my own. Pro- probably not. <laughs> well, I'm just like, even thinking I, of the ones where like they bring it to the table. Like here's four or five of our own house batch pickles. Yeah, but somebody had to to fist a jar of pickles, right? Like several times. I assume so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just being a bit germaphobic, but it just sounds the whole again going back to my uncle fisting a jar of pickled eggs and eating like six of them back to back with the jar on his lap while watching TV or something. <laughs> it, it sticks with me, man. It sticks with me. All right. Well, uh, uh, this one I'm pretty sure was meant for today's episode, even though it says episode twenty-three. Um, so maybe we'll save whatever second one you had for next week, but yeah. this is best of 2019 period memory, which I'm pretty sure she meant best 2019 memory. Okay. But if you have a memory that a ne- you would like to share, uh, my doctor says I'm not allowed to keep memories anymore because their scales give me hives. So, um, oh, I have, I haven't yeah. had any since 2017. Uh, thank it's you. It's unfortunate when you're allergic to such good things. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, that's just reopening that old wound. Uh, as far as my best 2019 memory, uh, are we talking in gaming or just in general? Uh, it's unclear, just like the sentence itself. Okay. <laughs> let's let's go with gaming. And like, gaming. We'll bring this back into gaming podcast. My, my favorite 2019 memory is probably just the general experience of playing Superland. There was just so much joy and excitement and discovery in that game that I keep thinking back to. And it's one mm. of those games I'm angry that I can't replay with a fresh mind. Yeah. That I just, I can't go back and, and re-experience that again. But I think about it a lot and I talk to people about that and similar games like, similar narrative, explorative games like that that have become popular in the indie scene over the last five, ten years. You know, mm-hmm. things like Beginner's Guide and Stanley Parable and Pony Island and The Hex. You know, stuff that, that has a a more... It has it has moments of reveal that only really work once. Yeah. And for me, that this year, that was Superland. And that was, that's just a very, a very warm, happy memory for me. How about you? So, so rarely in this life you get the opportunity to get really, truly giddy about getting home and playing a game sort of like you did when you were, you know, 10, 12, <laughs> 20, 28, whatever. This year, I I felt that while playing Fire Emblem, and there's a reason that that's number one on our list still, I, re- I just, I hadn't felt that way in quite a long time and where I was just like obsessively thinking about it while at work and then just like, I, I can't wait go home and play and then i was like oh my god it's on switch i could take it with me to work and then i would never have, find time to play it at work so it was just literally sitting there just sure good save. Me good save physical pain never have time to play it at work yep, yep. never have time so busy uh but it's so rare do you get these moments in life where you're just like so like over the moon about a, a game like like i wouldn't say that it's a perfect game but it, I wanted to play it nonstop. I was obsessed with it, and I hadn't felt that way in so long for a video game. Like maybe even like I could only compare it to like World of Warcraft, and like that definitely went on for a lot longer <laughs> period of time. <laughs> but 
that was like the same feeling that I had while playing Fire Emblem, even though I only played it for like three weeks, which is a healthy amount of time to play a game and not eight plus years. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the showcase? Yeah, let's. Let's. All right. Ooh. Yeah, we got Cyanar Wild Hearts and Life is Strange Season 2, not 3, like no. I said earlier. No, we, we can't. We're still on NDA for Season 3. Can't talk about that yet. Yeah, it, it's a good one. There's a lot of sharks, but <laughs> it, you didn't hear that here. Um, why don't we talk about Cyanar Wild Hearts first? Oh, man, I have been looking forward to talking about Cyanar Wild Hearts for a while. Oh, man, it's Excellent. so good. The Cyanar Wild Hearts is kind of a music game ish kind of thing ish ish well it's you are a young lady who is in a world of bright neon and rockin well rockin's the wrong word really cool something wave music i'm not good at music genres it's some kind of wave you sound so, these last few sentences have make you made you sound like a 400 year old man <laughs> It's a nice young lady who's really rocking and hip with it. People are going to take that that little thing out there and then be like, hey, check out the Game Off podcast with Brent and the dumbest man in the world. <laughs> the most inarticulate elderly man that he could find on the side of the road. Brent takes games and forces an old man to play them and then describe them <laughs> at gunpoint. Not the first time. <laughs> so you're, you're a young lady. You are... Flying right on the back of a motorcycle, running, driving through this neon-colored alternate world, fighting these different gangs of other girls. Uh, and you fight them by just kind of navigating on a path, almost like a runner game, um, that's punctuated with little button presses. Do, do you remember... Um, We've talked about this game before. Do you remember the classic Elijah Dushku vehicle, Wet? Of course I remember Wet. <laughs> of course we talk... You, we talk about Wet all the time. It's one of the, the greatest tragedies in gaming. <laughs> what? She slid around on her knees and popped people on the head. It was great. Yeah, no, that, that Wet didn't get well received and that Wet 2 will never happen. That's the tragedy. The, yes, thank you. <laughs> so Glad we're on the same page. <laughs> do you remember the levels, like the car chase levels? No, no, actually, okay. I don't know if I got that far. <laughs> yeah, so uh, th that that may not have been in the demo. You may have actually had to have the full game to get that far in it. Wait, you paid money for what? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I, I think oh, I still have exposed. my exposed. I still have my copy of Wet somewhere around here. I bought that new. I bought that when it came out. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh. Um, oh just, my god. It's just me. So many revelations today <laughs> on Game Off Twenty Two. <laughs> but so you are. For example, you may be in a in a city, riding in the back of a motorcycle, chasing after one of these gangs of girls that are themed you know, as wolves or as cool girls with katanas. It's all really neat stuff. And the gameplay is you basically navigating like a runner, picking up these little diamonds and heart power-ups that go with the music. And occasionally you'll have essentially quick time event button presses. Mm-hmm. Describing it that way, it sounds kind of like a boring mobile game, but it's all in presentation. Everything it is on mobile, we should it, know. It, it, it is on mobile. I've been playing it on Switch, uh, which has been great. Yeah. I love it on Switch. It's been a, it's a great spot for getting on a big... I, I can't imagine playing this and never experiencing it on a larger screen because it is so 
gorgeous mm. visually Good with enough. the bright pinks and blues and just neat dark like neon at night aesthetic of it without mm. feeling like it's you know those like neon drive type games yeah, you know, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be a vaporwave, chill wave game, but it definitely has those the same artistic notes. And you just barrel down on these girls. You have fights with them and interact with. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not phrasing any of this correctly. Uh, your fights, interactions with them are done through quick time events or through navigating and collecting these power-ups and chasing after them occasionally. You shoot stuff at them, which is just kind of an aiming thing, but it's all just such slick presentation and with an absolutely amazing soundtrack. Absolutely amazing soundtrack. The best soundtrack of the year. Ooh. So, so I've been listening to it outside. as uh, I've got a Spotify playlist of, of the soundtrack, which is just the soundtrack, so you don't need to really create its own playlist. You can just go to the soundtrack. It's fine. But... <laughs> It's hard to do on the TV, so I, I made a playlist for the, for the youths. Explain what a playlist is. Okay, so like, uh, like if you had a bunch of forty fives and you wanted to listen to them in a certain order, <laughs> you might give like whoever you pay to you know, manage your record collection uh, a list of what order to play them in. And you might write all that down and say, like, hey, Jerry, this is my playlist for when I'm in the mood for loving. So keep that in mind. And I'll, <laughs> if I tap the side of my nose twice, put that on. But if I pull my ear, bail. Because it's not going well. I'm, I'm visibly upset right Yeah. I, please, not... <laughs> please continue describing the game. I, that's basically it. You, I, it. It's difficult to describe without seeing it, which is not great for an audio format. Because the way I'm describing it sounds like a crappy mobile game. The camera angles, the production of it change frequently. So you may be in a first-person view and then it switches to an over-the-camera or over-the-shoulder shot. And then it, then it rotates to be so the camera is in front looking down on you so you can dodge oncoming bullets. Then it kind of goes to an overhead shot for a more cinematic. Like yeah. it's, it's very visually striking. Yeah. And the way the visuals and the, the beats of the visuals match up with the music makes the whole thing feel like a, a phenomenally produced me- movie chase sequence. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where yeah. it really, it really shines. Even though everything is extremely uh, scripted and all you're really doing is moving left and right and pressing a button in, in time with some of the, the on-screen prompts, you feel like you're doing really cool shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a game that's presented so well that being along for the ride isn't a bad thing. Yes, and the the stages are all very quick. The songs are all, you know, four minutes or less. Most most of them are less. So you're not... It's not like Guitar Hero where sometimes you'd feel like you're in just kind of this long slog of a song. Like, it goes very quick. Yeah. And I'm very bad at it but I still had a blast playing it and replaying levels over and over again just to try and get my rank up. Interesting. Yeah, so the the levels are all, like, pretty different in their presentation. It's not all just, like... So I, I played this at PAX East, and I'm pretty sure it was just, like, were you chasing one person? Mm-hmm. Is that sort of the, the formula for most of the missions? or what? No, what they, they go all over the place. They go all over the place. Um... I you know there are missions that where you're driving through a forest on rooftops in a city. Um, there are missions that are kind of more 
I don't want to say conceptual or a little bit like you, where you're flying through kind of like a a Tron like subspace. Mm. Like the the scenario, the scenario, the settings are broken into you know four or five missions per, or three or four missions per setting as you're facing off against each gang of girls. Okay. And so they're all you know this gang of girls that's in the desert. This you know and kind of like a you know uh, Death Valley flat desert driving. There's a gang of girls in the city, gang of girls on rooftops. And so you play through a couple, and each <laughs> each one kind of has its own thing that it plays with, and I you know idea that it it plays with as far as how the levels interact. There's one of them, one of the the later groups that you're fighting is two twins, and they keep swapping between. The one one of the levels has you has them like to the beat, snapping their fingers to to flip between two different versions of the world that you're in. Oh, that's cool. So you have to, like... That's so smart. There are obstacles that are coming at you that keep phasing in and out of existence, and you have to pay attention to where they are on the offbeat so that you can dodge them when they come back. It's... It's wild. Uh, Smarter people than me have made this game. Yeah, oh, very much so. Like, the first two or three levels I'm playing through and thinking, okay, I, I get it. But then they just kept throwing new ideas in there and playing with just how even having you do the same thing but changing the camera angle changing the perspective changing what you're up against makes it feel like an entirely different battle yeah um so that really well done and like it one of the things that this game does very well is when you screw up it is instantaneously loading the level again six seconds behind where you were so the, oh, that's very cool. You are just, you hit a wall, and it's within a second, you're back to trying again. There's no game over, would you like to try again? Loading. Like, it's just, you're back in it. <laughs> they, they want you to keep playing the game, so it doesn't feel dying, crashing, missing stuff. Never feels like it's a huge waste of time, because everything loads quickly. The levels are short. Yeah. It, it's built for Excellent. that replayability. Are all of the songs in the game new compositions, or is it mostly just Alanis Morissette or some such? <laughs> to my knowledge, they are all new compositions written for the game. That is my understanding that everything was written for the game and is uh, works. You know, the the synergy between them in the gameplay is fantastic. Dope. Yeah. How high were you in playing this game? Not at all. The first night I got it, I was a bit tired. But but since well, then, I, I was not. I've not been high playing the game. I've just been enjoying the music and the visuals. And, and my, my my little my little one likes them as well. He is he refers to it as the wolf robot game because there's a level with a giant I... giant three headed wolf robot. Oh okay. <laughs> I was I was very I was like what? <laughs> Maybe your son's high. Uh... Hopefully not. You you can't control him forever, Andy. No, that's true. I got I gotta let him leave the nest at some point. And if not three, then one. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of buzz for this game uh, on social media, uh, mostly Twitter. Uh, do you, uh, how come this game didn't perform better? Do you see any sort of uh, aspects that didn't speak to the mainstream or I mean, anything that you were like, like, I can see why people didn't really get into this? If, I'm, if I want to be cynical... Um, it is a game about girls. 
and I know that that oh, makes too real. Yeah, and I know that that girls is one of the politics genders, so that people don't play the games that have girls in them because of SJWs and all that. Um, and I know that it's very difficult to imagine being a girl in, in a way that it's not difficult to imagine being an Argonian. So I know it's hard for people God to damn. empathize with someone who's not you. So I can understand why people wouldn't play it for that. It makes perfect sense. Um, I think it's also easy to look at it and assume that. Oh, that's what it is. So I'm. You know, oh, okay, I get it. Like you see it, and oh, you collect, you, you drive, and you collect little little bips, and then you're done. I think it's it's easy to look at that and kind of write it off. Mm. Um, but I don't really know. It's it is a visually fascinating game. It is beautiful to look at. It's got a great soundtrack. I don't know why it didn't take off more. Um, because it just... Even watching five minutes of gameplay, I feel like you would look at it and say, like, that looks like a lot of fun. And it's very, you know, it's very polished. I've not, I've not seen the visuals glitch yeah. out or anything like that. Clearly a, a labor of love from people who really wanted this to work. Yeah, it's... I... I... Yeah, my personal opinion is just exposure because when I saw it on the floor of PAX, I was like, it was magnetic. Like, I was like, I have to play that game. I don't know what it is, but look at it. It's amazing. And when I played it, I was like, oh my God, I have to play more. I haven't bought it yet, to be fair. <laughs> but I'm part of the problem. And I think that's. I didn't know much about it until I heard someone on another podcast talking about it. Hmm. And I and I think the other thing is that I don't think the the title really does it any favors. I know that that's a small thing, but it just Sayonara Wild Hearts isn't really evocative of anything. That, that's fair. There's I, also another game called Wild Hearts at some point. Yeah, I think I may have like a, a a Japanese. I I don't know, like a Neopets game maybe. I, 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 I think remember. I played that. I think it might have been a free game. Yeah. I think... Yeah, I got it on, like, Humble Bundle or something. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> did, have you said sayonara to the game, or are you still playing No, it? I'm still playing it. I still play it pretty regularly, probably once every day to every other day. Just do a couple of rounds. I'm still very bad at it. I'm never going to get gold rank on all the, all the levels. But uh, I still play through it. It's very easy and quick to pick up, especially, you know, on Switch. Just it's the game that's on that's on, on my Switch right now. Hmm. And yeah. it's it's just I, and I've been listening to the soundtrack just about every day. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. It's been a great way to end 2019 musically. Yeah, that, that that's a really cool endorsement too, because there's not that many games that I've actually sat and like played the soundtrack for. Like Mass Effect jumps out. Um, and other than that, it's been pretty sporadic. But that that's appealing to me because there's not that many games that a lot of people say that about. So yeah, I would say I might be more interested now than before. I would say for anyone who's on the fence, go listen to a bit of the soundtrack. If you like the soundtrack, I I be I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who enjoys games and likes that soundtrack and doesn't like the game. Yeah, because it's just so intrinsically woven in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Who Who would you recommend this game for? Oh gosh, just about anyone. I think it's a I think it's a it's a lovely little story that they've baked in there. It's it's not overly narrative or, you know, filled with a bunch of cutscenes or anything like that, but there's just enough little pieces there to feel like you are progressing through something with a nice little resolution at the end. 
and it's a really lovely is the word for it. it's a very lovely experience and i'm very yeah. i'm glad that i had it and it was worth whatever i paid for it it's, it's been a great way to end the year as a, as a new game to find and just enjoy in these cold dreary awful northeastern days so, sorry to hear that yeah it's it's the northeast it w- what are you gonna do yeah it was 72 on christmas down here oh was it sorry i've, I've turned into my grandmother that's good we we got a bunch of sleet and hail today for no reason why have you asked somebody to stop doing that i have talked I to understand. management and i have reported a problem but they have told me that it is uh just kind of out of their control uh systems broke yep what, what can you do yeah any final thoughts on cyanar wild hearts no um go out and play it you should go pick it up especially if you played it at pax and enjoyed it go go buy it what are you doing I, I don't know what I'm doing. That's me, spe- Slay, that's Slay me speaking fire. directly to you. No, I got it. I fucking got it. But for anyone else who played it at PAX East and enjoyed it, much like Brent, go out and buy it right now and play it. But Slay the Spire is a good reason not to be playing it. That game's fucking amazing. Yeah, play both. Yeah. Why not both? Can you tell me about Life is Strange too? Let's start off Life is Strange by saying that I'm going to do my absolute best to not do any spoilers past C- or, no, episode two. So if you haven't played it at all, and I'll try not to because they definitely formulate everything so that there's like pretty uh, dramatic things that happen at the end of each episode. So I'll try to also avoid those, but I'll probably give myself some breathing room and talk about episode one and two a little bit. Um, And past that, I I know it's going to be real, really touchy. So Life is Strange 2. Life is Strange 2, you ready for some uh, very, very minor spoilers? Uh, I'm so excited for minor spoilers. All right, very quickly into the game, you're playing two brothers. Well, no, you're always controlling the older brother throughout the entire game. That's not much of a spoiler. Um, But, so, you're in Seattle, and you're just living your life. If you haven't played Life is Strange, it's a adventure game, I, I... what would you call these games nowadays? It's it's 3D story story adventure. Basically, you're just going around looking at objects, trying to solve very simple problems. But mostly, you're in these games for the story. So I'll try and keep it short and sweet for sure. Um, but in Life is Strange 2, you're primarily playing as the older Diaz brother. And some pretty dramatic shit happens early on where you're in Seattle with your brother and your father and your father gets gunned down by the police. This game is a uh, very topical. A lot of the times um, that's something you can absolutely expect in every episode. Um, so as, as a Diaz, you're of Mexican descent. Um, you're very much look of Mexican descent. And so your father gets basically murdered by a police officer within the first half of the first episode. Um, So from there, the entire story is about the older Diaz brother and the younger brother going through and trying to escape to Mexico. So you have all these different adventures. The first two take place in like just just the, the narrow area along the coast of Seattle and a little bit south of Portland where you're basically getting up to shenanigans um but the entire time you're 
sort of dealing with the fact that after your father was murdered, there was this huge explosion that happened and that nobody really understood what happened. Huh. So it wasn't, in, it's not until the end of the second episode that you realize, oh no, this is the first episode. The, at the end of the first episode, you finally realize what happened and that it's your brother Daniel and he has fucking superpowers. He's basically a Jedi. Oh shit. Yeah. So, so you're going along, you're going along, you're trying to figure out what to do. Basically, a police officer has died. You and your brother are on the run because the police officer died inexplicably. Somehow, the older brother knew that they were at fault. He had really nothing to do with it. Um, but they panic because of, you know... The political heat in the country, they very much are like, oh, God, this is not going to look good. We need to get the fuck out of here. Makes sense. So they run. Um, The first two episodes are primarily about them escaping Seattle, meeting up with family members, and sort of trying to figure out what to do with their lives. But some some of the issues I have with the game are that you don't really have true choice in early major moments like that like so very much in the vein of life is strange one or the old telltale games you seem to have a lot of control in a lot of major situations and most everything else plays out as if you like really don't need to have a say in the matter it's not like like in in a situation like that like if that happened later on in the games like Oh, a police officer just died, and it was a complete accident, but it was totally our fault. Like, what are we going to do about it? Like, do we run, or do we stay and try and explain the situation and try and hide Daniel's powers? Do we try and, you know, confess that, like, this happened, and he's basically a fucking Jedi, and (laughs) we're we're all going to figure this out together? Because this is in a world, and not to spoil Life is Strange Season 1 at all. This isn't a super spoiler, but if you haven't played Season 1, maybe turn it off. But by the end of it, the, you, it's not revealed to the world that there's someone with this power of time control, which is the entire hook of the first season. Um, so, And at the end of that game, I don't believe she even has that power anymore, um, which is which means that like the world can continue on as it was and other seasons of it don't have really any implications to that story in this game it doesn't feel like a lot of these major decisions have a huge or don't give you that sort of control and maybe it's just because they came out of the guns or came out guns fucking blazing (laughs) Like, like that. That's the, again. That's the sort of scenario I would expect for like the end of like a mid-season episode or something. Because it's 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 really heavy stuff. Like every single episode ends on a really heavy, heavy, heavy note. Um, but also the entire season begins on a heavy note. So I can see where they absolutely wanted to tell this story of these brothers that they absolutely have to go through all of these trials and tribulations. And it's not just a 10 second game where it's like, ah, you know what? I, we'll take our chances. Um, so that was my major problem. Like that stuck with me through this, all the story 
because I really felt a lot of the times that if they had just sort of sat and dealt with it, like a lot of the shit that comes to them later on uh, wouldn't have happened and they probably would have would have gotten scot-free. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll field some questions now because it's a very story-heavy game, so I don't. it's hard to talk about it that much yeah i'm gonna try to avoid story related questions um or at least ones that are about you know like specific story details Mm -hmm. but i've heard people talk about how it is a very topical game and you you confirming that how how well are those kind of issues handled do you feel like those were handled well they're they are uh, not shy about the topics at all. When you get accosted, you get fully accosted. There's no third dimension to the people that are sort of fucking with you. Um, so in the second episode, where's in the first? I think it's the first. Sorry. So these games have been coming out slowly over the course of twelve months. So my memory is a little bit hazy. But in the first or second episode, you get tied up by tied up in the back of a gas station by someone who's very clearly racist and accuses you of stealing, even though you haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later on, you get accosted by people who are very clearly super racist. Like, like if they're not in the KKK, like they would be the prime targets for, you know, racist assholes. Um, So you get in a lot of scenarios where there's people that are just like, like subhuman trash that are treating you like trash and you're like, I don't like I, it's, it's almost hard to imagine that these people are real. Like you sort of hear these stories about, you know, I won't get into any of the political stuff, but you hear stories of bad people and you're always like, well, hopefully there's another side to them and they just were mouthing off and stuff like that. But a lot of the characters that are bad in this game are just bad, bad, bad. And the characters that are good are very good. And there are some in-betweens, but you get a lot of very, very polarized characters. Do you think this would be difficult for someone to play who would experience that stuff on their own? Like, would it hit too close to home? Or is it not that overt? Or not not that direct? And Maybe that's diff- that's a difficult question to answer. I'm just It was something I thought of when, when you were describing it. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I I haven't been through the full gamut of that sort of stuff. So, like obviously I've like experienced hate, but like not on like a deep deep-seated racial hate that like doesn't make sense to me as a person because it does it's so it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I I, it's really hard to say, but it's a very, very emotional game. Um, there were definitely times where like I was like a little bit choked up because of what was going on, and sometimes it was for good reasons, and sometimes it was for bad reasons. So it, it might be tough for some people, but, or, but it might also be so cartoonish that people are just like, well, that would never fucking happen. That was dumb, but... It's yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't give any assurances there, honestly. Okay. Does this tie in a lot with the story of Life is Strange 1 without giving away anything? No. Okay. Not at all. Like I said there's next to no ramifications for what happened in 1 in the actual universe of the game. That being said, it the first game takes place in Oregon along the coast and like I said you travel along the coast, so early on you can see the city 
that the first place took the first game took place in. There's also a reference later on to the characters. Uh, I won't say any more about that, but yeah, there's I I only counted two references, and they were straight up like like fan references, not integral to the story at all. Okay. So you could jump into season two without, or into Life is Strange two without any real issue of not of knowing what happened in Life is Strange one. Yes, absolutely. Um, they're they're very different games too. So if the time bending puzzly mechanics of the first game don't really appeal to you, you may like a more core experience, which I think Life is Strange two is. Uh, you do get to tr- to somewhat control Daniel's powers sometimes. Um. So, but that's like the only sort of puzzle mechanic in the game. Like the uh, in in season one, you like the time going back and forth in time really played into a lot of the mechanics. But in this, it's just like, can you lift this up? Can you lift this down? It's not very confusing. Um, it's probably more accessible for an average gamer. But I wouldn't say Life is Strange one's harder or anything. But yes, to answer your question, anyone could jump into this game and enjoy it. Does it feel like the choices that you're making are making are, are making real difficult or making real important impactful difference in the storyline or does it feel like you're making you know, like it's sometimes felt in the Telltale games where the beats of the story were going to happen no matter what you did and these were just kind of changing the set dressing. Yes and no. There were some times where I was really disappointed by the choices, and there were some times where I was completely blown away by the choices. But one of the interesting things, and I really hope this isn't a spoiler, but it might. But, all right, so kind of spoiler. Again, it kind of spoils the end. I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it, but it's not a story spoiler. There's a morality meter in the game. So... Basically, you make a, a lot of choices, and based on those choices, Daniel will become either moral or amoral. And so you will have very, very, very different discussions and conversations and decisions with him throughout the later chapters based on how moral or amoral he is. I don't think that's too bad of a spoiler, because a lot of the reviews I've read of it so far have referenced directly the idea that you're trying to set a good example for Daniel and, you know. Yeah, it, it's because there's it's never clear that it's happening other than like the, the classic, like you made a decision, like this will have an impact, like that sort of scene where it's it like very clearly plays out. Um, but there's it, at the end of the game, there's it's very clear that whether he's a moral or a moral person, um, and in total there's seven endings to this game. Oh wow! And I've watched I watched three of them, and they are dramatically different. Oh, cool! That's good to know. Yeah, and they're obviously directly related to that morality, and also a few other factors throughout the story. So the endings seem like they come from decisions that came out came throughout the whole season, rather than those games that you have where you've got the, uh, I think yeah. I think Yahtzee Heads might have or tails. yeah, or I think Yahtzee might have referred to it as like the ending Tron five thousand, like at the, like <laughs> yeah, at the exactly. end of Human Revolution where you get get to the very end. It's like all right, well, um, do you want to do this or this, A or B? Which one do you want to do? And that's the ending yeah. you get. No, if if I loaded up a save and I played it out again, I couldn't I wouldn't have access to five of the endings. 
because that last choice only gives you two and two endings depending on what you've done throughout the rest of the game. Okay, awesome. That's very reassuring for a narrative-based game. Yeah. At, at the end of... I should also note, at the end of every single um, chapter, they always tell you globally like who made choices towards what, and I was constantly shocked by how many different scenarios could have gone down in all of those situations. Like, usually, like, the... the climactic endings would have five different scenarios that would happen and they are all pretty fucking different too so if if this game did something better than the first game it was absolutely that your choices fucking mattered like that is the technique that they've mastered and learned from one to two that's very good news do you think you'd play it again like do you think you uh play it from beginning to end to, to see the different endings again or 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 are you content just kind of watching them online? I think so. I only watched two different endings. One was the alternate ending for the playthrough that I did. And then I watched one that was a playthrough that I didn't like cater towards whatsoever. And it felt so wrong because like, I like that wasn't, it wasn't the Daniel that I had been like, with this whole time that I, I couldn't watch any more endings. If I was going to play it again, I would want to play through it entirely and experience like that, that different side of Daniel and see sort of how he gets to that point because the, the endings for this game again are dramatically different. Like every possible ending you can experience for these two boys. Like it's crazy. Hmm. Okay. Would you re- who would you recommend this game to? Any, anyone that that's not afraid of sort of like being a little bit vulnerable and emotional when they're playing a game. It's story based, so obviously it's not fast paced action at any point in time. Obviously, there's super dramatic, tense scenes almost every episode, um, but. I, I think you need to be a little bit open-minded when you go into the game. I think you need to be a little bit emotionally available because there's going to be some really, really, there's going to be some scenes that really play on your heartstrings. And like, if you're not open to that, then it's going to just, it's not going to go over well. <laughs> the decisions that you make, because I didn't play Life is Strange 1 either, um, are they are the decisions that you're given time based? Like, do you have a couple of seconds to decide, or can you think about them? And and if it spoils something to answer that question, obviously you don't. In in the first one, you usually have a good amount of time. In this game, you do too. Um, most of the Telltale games, they give you like a little timer, but I don't remember there being any timers or limited time in either of these two games. Maybe more in the first one, just because there was that time element, but. I can't think of a single scenario where that was the case in season two. Okay. It, just mechanically, uh, you know, the engine visuals, how are they compared to the first? I'd say it definitely looked better. Um, the engine's a little bit dated at this point. There's definitely some questionable looking polygons and what have you, but <laughs> it, it still looks good. Like, they could easily uh, port it to mobile, iPad, whatever, like they did the first season, and it would look fine what did you play this on xbox one x okay any final thoughts yeah i i i really enjoyed the game um it it definitely again tugged on some heartstrings that i don't know if i was always ready to deal with but 
when I finally started gearing up to play the games, I played the a lot. I played the last three episodes within like two days because I just was so invested in the story at that point. It definitely starts off a little slower. Um, you definitely, you definitely don't feel like Daniel's power is that relevant all the time, other than just being like a, a, a plot device. But it, it still works well. It well works well in the endings. It works well in a lot of the decisions you have to make. Um, but you're not sort of coming face to face with this power all the time. It's more of just the repercussions of having a young boy with this with a superpower and sort of how to handle that. So yeah, I I really I I thought it was a very good, very special, and very very different from season one. Well, all right. That sounds like a that sounds like a winner. I'm gonna have to pick that one up. Yeah, I could I could definitely recommend it. I'd also recommend season one though. So I guess I guess play play both. It's the full experience. You do the the saves for season one and uh, Captain. Oh shit, Captain Spirit are both get ported into this game. So if you play those games, you do even though they're not part of or even though the season one's not really part of it, you still see the repercussions of your major decisions in this game. Oh, neat. So that's, okay. that's the one bridge that I would say. And Captain Spirit is directly related to this game. Uh, the decisions you can make in that are minor, but you're playing a minor character from episode two. Um, so you get to play a shortened like two-hour episode for free with him in it, and there's some minor correlations to your decisions there. Neat. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, all right. I guess we got to rank these. Yeah, I was gonna huh? say, where would you put this in our uh, in the big list? Uh, let us take a look. Probably right above Gears Five and right below Luigi's Mansion Three. So that puts it at number twelve. That's actually uh, where I was going to put um, Sinar Wild Hearts as well. So I put Sinar Wild Hearts at number thirteen. Oh, wow. So let me. All right. So that that's a nice easy one. That that totals up to thirty three games. Oh no! Wait, the numbers just got pushed down. Thirty five games. So that technically pushes out Borderlands three from the top top fifty percent. <laughs> but you know, no big surprise there, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm glad we both enjoyed our little uh, indie game. Yeah, it's not often that we get to both enjoy the games that we played. Yeah, when was the last time we had two high games on the same episode? Outer oh, Worlds? It was never. Outer. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. We both did that one. <laughs> we, yeah, Outer Worlds. We both played... Number four. And then prior to that, number 14. With Link's yeah. Awakening Control. So yeah, we, we've not had great uh, success at both playing a good game. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, twenty twenty is the year of major releases. Because it, other, otherwise, it's been fairly quiet year. I mean, looking at this list, there's a lot of really good games out. Oh yeah, but there's there's no like tentpole like holy fuck, this game is the end of games game. So yeah, so twenty twenty should be interesting, especially with like, Cyberpunk coming out. Before we wrap everything up, I just want to go through and do some listener questions here. Uh, and we, we tweeted earlier looking for listener questions, and we got none. 
<laughs> so I'm just I'm just reminding everyone that you all failed us. <laughs> well, that's not fair. It only gave people like four hours, but well, I mean, I also did yeah. tell them last time, but it's fine. It's fine. We're that's fine. we're gonna put on another nope. questions thread at the end of thread. What am I talking about? A questions tweet when we're recording the next one, and I expect you, listeners, to throw a question in there. Oh. You tell who the dad is of the two of us. Yeah, yeah, it's you. So, <laughs> because the, da- Don't tell the dad, the dad would know things. that this approach does not work. <laughs> All right. All right, we're we're pushing a <laughs> we're pushing ninety minutes. Why why don't we call it a day? Yeah, um, good idea. Check out the social medias. That's how you're going to send us our mandatory questions from from old Scooter McGee. Yep. Special thanks to our editor, uh, Dart D- 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 and we'll we'll see y'all next week. See you next week. Uh-huh.